Is retirement on the horizon for one early round wide receiver and an early round quarterback? <laughs> Which Tampa tight end represents the best high stakes draft value? And what do you need to do with Michael Thomas in FFPC drafts right now? Plus, nine-time football guys league winner Adrian Kessel hops aboard to talk about the Panthers wideouts, why Tyler Higby is a great pick in 2021, and of course, much, much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Ferreliacs this evening. Welcome in. It's the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, I'm trying to catch up on this text chain, but it sounds like if you want to play in the first ever, the inaugural bourbon-turned Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship main event, where you can register for it at kffsc.com, it seems like that's going to be a go Sunday morning, live in Louisville. We're all going to have bourbon for breakfast. Yes, and, and I'm going to call in some ecumenical representation to, to have a service for you guys because you you do need help from a higher power getting up. But as many of you are going to be in the, uh, the, the, the midnight madness that we have before, get up at 8 o'clock. I've talked with the staff. They're going to prepare a special breakfast welcome um, dish for you guys as well as some uh, pre-mixed uh, uh, bourbon drinks that will somehow work with breakfast and the food. And it, it's just fascinating, Balky, to realize that we're here, we're prepared to draft, we're having an event, and leave it to you on this show and uh, Jason <laughs> Kahn on, and, and, and the great minds of, of the Draft Head Junkies with Aaron Laser and, and all the guys to come up with this idea. So I'm all behind you and uh, – I won't be sleeping anyway that weekend, so I'm, 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 you know, I'm out in front of it and going to help you make it happen. Thank you, Vulcan. You're the man, and we thank you, Farrell. Certainly that is awesome. By the way, if you want to register for that league or any of the other great leagues in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, make sure you're doing that at kffsc.com. Online main events, uh, drafts in Cincinnati uh, coming up in the uh, penultimate weekend in August, and then the final weekend in August will be uh, in Louisville as well. So uh, a lot of great action there. Now, let's get to it. I want to uh, talk a little bit about, uh, we already talked about KFFSC. Uh, let's talk about the FFPC main event. If you're already in it, you can get $400 off each additional team, either live or online. The early uh, draft slot announcement is coming up um, August 1st. If you want to be part of that announcement, you have three days to register. Monday is the cutoff for that midnight Pacific time. So if your team is paid off and you are registered by then, you will find out where you are drafting August 1st. 2021 Football Guys Players Championship, white hot right now, $500,000 grand prize, $100,000 a second. Uh, those drafts are going off multiple drafts daily. The inaugural best ball tourney is really uh, picking up steam as well, $100,000 grand prize there. $550,000 prize will for just $125 to enter it. And if you want to get in on closed team uh, leagues, 12 team leagues, the best ball drafts are open, including the $5 single day best ball options. And of course, dynasty startups going off each and every day as well. 
All right, um, a lot of news to get to tonight. Uh, a lot of stuff happened this week. A lot of stuff happened right before we went on the air tonight, too. So we'll get to that here shortly. I want to thank Football Guys, Draft Sharks, NBC Sports Edge, and Rob for tonight's Fantasy Flash. Um, the Athletics' Jordan Rodriguez said that uh, Rams running back Xavier Jones, quote, may quietly be one of the Rams' better assets this fall, depending on how healthy Daryl Henderson uh, is going to be. Now, we don't know if the Rams are going to sign somebody else in the, in, wa- in the wake of the Cam Akers injury. They've already gone on record. Sean McVay at least has gone on record saying that's not something that they're looking at right now. If Daryl Henderson, who, by the way, has gone down in the past and dealt with some issues in, in the training room, uh, Xavier Jones right now is the next guy on the, uh, the depth chart. Uh, Daryl Henderson's already missed four games in his young NFL career, parts of others, and it's a lot of nagging minor soft tissue stuff. Uh, Xavier Jones turns 24 in August. He's an UDFA out of Southern Methodist University, had 1,300 rushing yards and 23 rushing touchdowns his final year there. Um, the fact that Akers tears his Achilles, going to miss the entire 2021 season, that pretty much guarantees that Jake Funk, who uh, was on, uh, he played his college ball at Maryland, 7.2 yards per carry on 135 attempts, he's going to make the roster. He's 23, uh, coming off two ACL injuries, and he broke his hand in college. But right now, I think, Farrell, as we wide scope this, Daryl Henderson's the guy to – uh, to draft in uh, in in football guys, I, I think, um, and and the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. You look at um, where he's going over the last three days. Shout out to FantasyMojo.com and Darren Armani for all the great stuff that he puts out. According to the Football Guys Players Championship draft data, Daryl Henderson, running back twenty at the four twelve over the last three days. We talked about him when we were covering pros versus Joe Farrell, and it felt like the mid to late fifth where he was going was a little bit late. Now he's going a little bit earlier um, in the late fourth round. So let's talk first about uh, Cam Akers. You're not drafting him this season. You play Dynasty now. How concerned are you for Akers coming back from an Achilles injury, which has recently been the death knell for running backs? Has it really, bulky? I think that the guys are coming back from these injuries pretty good if they don't rush back from them. Um, but, you know, I'm limited. There's, there's the... Uh, I just spilled the whole knowledge of, of my uh, medical career there. That's that's my whole uh, aspect of what I know about it. I, I don't know. I, I from yeah. I'm not going to move this player if, if I'm um, in, in dynasty ball. But the the redraft uh, the the redraft situation over Henderson has been very polarizing here in the last uh, um, few days. I'm hearing a, a number of commentary. None of it uh, that I really agree with it because most of it is negative um, in Henderson's direction. And I wonder if the people taking him in the fourth round aren't just saying, okay, he's going to be the guy. He's going to get the touches. I'll roll the dice here in the fourth round because I don't like any of the other running backs that are around him. I think as fantasy drafters, a lot of our guys, when their thought process is disrupted, um, it takes a long time to repair that. And, you know, Henderson, to me, if you throw these players on the board side by side and look at their combine numbers, to me it's the same player. Henderson also, uh, as you say, has had these injury issues, but um, Akers last year, uh, unavailable early in the season, Henderson goes to Buffalo on the road, a fairly good uh, rush defense, he turns in a 5.7 yards of carry performance, has 114 yards. He stayed with it. 80 yards against the Niners, good games following up with Chicago uh, and, and Miami, and all of these teams are in the middle to the higher ranks, 49ers especially against rushing defense, um, their, their yearly rushing defense. Uh, Akers was stunning, absolutely stunning during the playoffs, and that's why everybody wants uh, to get into business with Akers at the end of the first round. How much Akers do you have, Bucky? You know what's funny about that, Farrell? I was just going to say this. When I saw the Akers injury went down, I, I, I went and looked at all my teams, Kentucky, my dynasty leagues, everything. You're going to be shocked when you hear this, but out of, I don't know, 15-plus teams, but almost 20 teams maybe, I not only had zero shares of Cam Akers, I had zero shares of Daryl Henderson as well. So this could not have missed me more. I ended up in a situation here, and I guess I was like everyone else, and early on drafting in January and February, 
uh, in, the, in the small dollar drafts, the $35, the $77 that the FFPC so provides us with, a great opportunity to draft. Um, I found myself at the end of the draft, and I often took acres, but it was amazed me that Henderson would be the least expensive handcuff. And I see him also as having standalone talent. And, and so I don't know what I'm seeing in Henderson that everyone else can't see. But I'm very happy that I have this player because not only did I pick him when I had Acres, I picked him when I didn't because I thought he was great value. And I still think uh, in the fourth round he's a very valuable player to target on your roster. So, you know, so naturally the situation has changed because Acres is gone. Well, what hasn't changed? You know, your your marquee quarterback that's came in, that's come to the roster to raise everyone's boat, to bring a steady hand to the offense, to be a quarterback that the coach can trust, to have a more prolific offense. He's still there. What's most important is this offensive line, Balky. Two guys from Wisconsin: Edwards, a guard; Havenstein, a tackle. Uh, Austin Corbett, who they acquired midseason from the Browns to play guard. I can't believe that the Browns let this player get away. But Austin Corbett is a perfect blocker uh, for any running back that's going to line up in the Rams' backfield, a great acquisition for this team. So I look at this team and I say, you know, uh, we've got a player that has been productive, productive against the meat of the schedule early, he can catch a few balls. His statistics are very similar um, to Cam Akers. Uh, his combine numbers are very similar to Cam Akers. And, you know, someone told me, he said, look, they never would have drafted Cam Akers uh, in 2020 if they had liked what they got from Henderson in 2019. And, you know, I just had to roll my eyes on that because I'm looking at a situation where they're building a football team. Uh, Henderson was a third-round pick. Akers was a second-round pick. Now, if you want to talk a little bit about Xavier Jones, uh, I was aware of the players because he did not get a combine invite. He's one of these guys that puts up huge, huge offensive numbers in college, but he does it against East Carolina, Tulsa, North Texas. He really can get to the outside. He's really got a good, quick step getting to the outside. But you wonder against the type of athlete that you're seeing on film. He's not playing Notre Dame. He's not playing in the SEC. So he looks a step faster than all these players, but he should be. Um, I watched him in breakaway. Uh, he ran for a long touchdown. I can't remember the film, but it's on the YouTube highlight if anyone wants to look at it. I didn't see that fifth gear. I saw a player get away, but I also players saw players with – with the wrong leverage that could not get to him, but they were gaining on him. I think he's a good player. I think he's going to get some opportunities, but I don't think he's anywhere near uh, the handcuff or someone that you should throw a dart at and expect that he's going to pick up those uh, those non-Daryl Henderson opportunities. But the, but the Henderson opportunity, uh, to me, is uh, is very, very strong with this player in the fourth round. I was going to draft him in a football guys this week, but someone beat me to it. So uh, he's going a little earlier all the time, I think. Clearly people listen to the pros versus Joe's coverage from us, Farrell, because uh, his, his ADP has gone up a half, sometimes even a full round. Daryl Henderson going uh, still as late as the 509 over the last three days, but he's gone as early as the 309 on average, still the, End of the fourth round, Xavier Jones, as you were just talking about him, running back 60 now, that's 6-0, on average at the 14-11. That is Darrell Williams, Samaje Pirine, James White, and Tariq Cohen territory. So Xavier Jones making a name for himself there. Moving on to Green Bay, uh, Farrell, uh, Ian Rappaport uh, had a report uh, today that Devontae Adams and the Packers have broken off long-term extension talks. Um, the um, proposals, apparently behind the scenes, according to Rappaport, do not acknowledge Adams as or he will become when he, sign, when he signs this, the highest paid receiver in the game. Now, this is a guy who averaged seven and a half catches, 92 receiving yards, and .9 touchdowns per game, not over the last year, over the last three years. At the Athletics' Matt Schneidman, who actually covers the Packers, says the Packers, quote, don't want to recognize DeAndre Hopkins' deal when considering 
the Adams extension. Right now, Hopkins makes a little over $5 million more a year than Adams. And I think when coupled with, we got the breaking news right before the, the show tonight from Bill Huber from Sports Illustrated, um, that um, a lot of the sports books in uh, Las Vegas have taken the Packers' win totals uh, over-under off the board because they expect Aaron Rodgers to announce his retirement next week. Now, Farrell, I, I don't know. I, stuff like this, when it comes out, I usually kind of take a breath. I, I want to let the news marinate a little bit before I you know, um, start attacking it and using it to my advantage. But knowing what we know now with Rodgers, knowing what we know now with Adams, how concerned are you for the Packers this season? Hmm, that's a good one. You know, you announced uh, some inside information that Rodgers was having his, uh, his uh, Wisconsin home cleaned. Maybe he's readying it for the market. We thought he was readying it to move in. Um, maybe uh, he retires, shakes off the dust of the Green Bay Packers, and comes back to football the following year. I, Balky, you know, you're right there in the in the pulse of this. I shouldn't even comment and I should just listen to you. I'll throw it back at you. The Packers are not anywhere near the same team if they don't have this quarterback, if you've got in business with the first-round wide receiver, the second-round running back, and if you've got in business with Robert Tunyon. Um, all these players are suspect to what they can be able to produce uh, with any other quarterback that um, the Packers have on the roster. They did not insure this roster. Now, from a contractual standpoint with Adams, I don't understand what's happening in that front office or any front office that won't pay your elite players because as soon as you pay them, the next team has to pay them. And the longer you can get away from the deal you did, your deal looks smarter. Do you remember when Derek Carr was the top-paid quarterback in the NFL? You know, the Raiders didn't fool around. They came out there and gave him the big deal, and it's been left in the dust. And that's the way you get to get into these situations. Dallas should have paid Prescott sooner, uh, it, it, it's, uh, but they're very happy to pay him now. But now he's the best quarterback or the top quarterback paid in football. So I don't understand uh, – you know, you've got a you've got a salary cap. You've you've got a budget for players. You've got a total that you must spend. Spend it on your great players and 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 be that kind of organization that's respected across the league. I haven't quite come to terms with why the Packers can't get along with their elite players. But if they don't get this quarterback in there, oh man, was bad for Packers, bad for fantasy football bad for football in general yeah especially if you're a Packers fan um I I I will um I think this is a topic that we will get into more obviously next week we'll know if Rogers reports or not um and and we'll know a little bit more about the Devontae Adams situation as well but this is something that if you do get this right um whether you draft them at a discount and then they end up playing not say you know, I think Adams is going to play. I think that's pretty clear. But the question is, how successful is he going to be if Jordan loves a quarterback as opposed to Aaron Rodgers? But I think getting the Aaron Rodgers thing right now, if you do happen to get it right and you get him at a value, you're going to be reaping the benefits later. Yep. If you don't get it right, it's going to hurt you as well. We'll get our uh, the opinion of uh, tonight's guest now. I want to bring him on on this Packers situation. He began playing fantasy football almost 10 years ago from a DFS angle but picked up the FFPC several years ago. Since then, he's won nine Football Guys Players Championship Leagues and is gunning for many more this year. Please welcome Adrian Kessel onto the program. Adrian, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming aboard tonight. Doing great. Thanks, thanks for having me. We're excited to have you on. We, I, do, I know we, um, we'll just naturally talk about the Packers here because I, I think with this Aaron Rodgers Packers sportsbook stuff news, it's, it's worth bringing up. Um, to you and get your opinion on. Before I do that, I do want to, uh, you to tell the listeners what you're doing for a living when you are not dominating the Football Guys Players Championship, or has this become your job playing DFS and high-stakes season-long fantasy football? Well, um, currently, I'm, a, I'm an accountant. I work in the, the auditing part of accounting, um, kind of focused on the construction industry and yeah, I've been playing fantasy football for, you know, 20-plus years. Um, been qu- quite a road, you could say. Um, 
probably in my early 20s, mid-20s, you know, pretty much more, you, you could just say a, a disaster. We'll kind of keep it short. And, <laughs> I mean, just lots of, lots, of, lots of mistakes, lots of bad decisions. And I guess the turning point in my life is I'm simply just a prayer and, and reaching out for help. And, and when I did that, um, everything just fell into place. And, and that's kind of a whole other story. But just getting into to the fantasy side of everything, um, you know, just like at the time I was just like working a, a regular old job and, you know, just taking some, some college classes. And, you know, my brother just came up to me and, Told me he had joined Fanduel, and you know, said I should give it a try, and you know, I did that, and you know, kind of had some some early success, and was just just willing to just put it all on the line, and just I was like, I'm gonna quit my job, I'm gonna go to school full time, and just hope this whole fantasy thing works out. And it, you know, in the beginning, I definitely was I was better than I I wasn't as good as I thought I was. I had some early success. But, you know, quickly started, you know, taking some lumps and, you know, but I just, I just kind of like kept at it, you know, and kept trying to get better and eventually just started breaking through and, you know, having some real success playing. And I guess you could say here, here I am now just, just playing some fantasy football and, and, and living, living the good life. <laughs> That's a so, beautiful so Adrian, story, Adrian. I, I, I had to laugh, Balky, because I tell you, the the dark days of, of everyone's twenties is is sort of a, a a dead spot on their resume that they would like to pass over and and Adrian you know if you make it to my age uh, you won't remember that much about it but I think it's it's thrilling <laughs> that you have a a a brother a brother and fantasy football and that kind of that hobby bringing you together and and helping you find. Uh, uh, a pastime that could fulfill your time and and be part of uh, the success that you're that you're becoming today. I, I uh, Balky, did you have a follow up question before I before I well, ask about my receivers? Yeah, I know you want to, but I just because we just were talking about this Packers stuff and it is so fresh. Um, you know, Adrian, I look at your teams that, that you've drafted so far this year, and forgive me if I'm wrong. I don't see Devontae Adams on any of them. I don't see uh, Aaron Rodgers on any of them so far this year. And as far as um, as far as Aaron Jones goes, I think you only have him on two of your leagues, one or two of your leagues. So have you been purposely avoiding Packers uh, with, with so much uncertainty in Green Bay? And um, what do you think of this latest news of, of the, um, the sports books taking the Packers win totals off the board right now based on their supposition that Rodgers will retire next week? Yeah, I mean, I've been avoiding Packers, like, pretty much completely, just like you said. Now, now Aaron Jones, in a few early drafts, you know, I was getting him, you know, at the late second round. And at that point, you know, I just thought, like, it was kind of a no-brainer. And I was kind of hoping that trend would just continue. But as weeks have gone by, it's just, you know, he hasn't really fell anymore. And, yeah, I mean, this news tonight, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean as of, you know, this morning, I was kind of thinking, like, I need to probably start getting back on to these Packers. Um, I'm think this felt like it's just it's just getting to the point where I, th- I was I was thinking more likely that they that Aaron Rodgers wouldn't come back and everything would you know work out. But yeah, at this point, yeah, I'm probably just going to keep avoiding them. But now I'll still take Aaron Jones. Like, obviously, without Rodgers, Devontae Adams, you know, he just you know, unless you get him at a supreme discount that you just can't take him. But, like, I still think Aaron Jones can you know, still have some solid production, you know, even if Jordan Love is in there. And if you get him at the right price, I'm still fine with, with taking Aaron Jones. Well, Balky, do you, do you link this decision by the Las Vegas sports books to this article, or do you maybe think it's something else? I perhaps think it's something else. Um, what do you, what, with, with, in regards to what, with the, with the Vegas sports books, what, what am I linking it to? Yeah. With the announcement from the writer that Joe, that uh, Rogers may, 
announce his retirement. Do you think it's solely well, based I mean, on that? Because I'll tell Okay. I'll, I'll just tell you, I'll, I'll bring up the article right now because I, I think you're right, okay. Carol. Context does matter uh, when, when it comes to this. And, and I'll just highlight the revel, re, re, the relevant uh, pieces on, on this because I think it is worth exploring a little bit. So basically, um, the um, – now I just had it. Son of a gun. This is this, – I, I make the worst podcast. I really do. This is so terrible. You really All right. Don't. So basically – doing okay. This is – well, thank you, Farrell. You, you save us. So – Bill Huber, who covers uh, the Packers for Sports Illustrated, um, he said that the Westgate Superbook recently closed all its NFC North markets, including projected wins, playoff odds, divisional odds, and weekly lines for the four division teams. One odds maker at the Sportsbook said via a Twitter direct message. Two other Sportsbooks contacted that he contacted after this said that they expect, these are two separate Sportsbooks, they expect that Rodgers is going to announce his retirement before the Packers' first uh, practice on Wednesday. In response, one of those sports books pushed out its prices on the Packers to win the North and shorten the odds for the other teams. It also shortened the odds of Mahomes winning the NFL MVP. So I guess this kind of started with a Twitter direct message, Farrell, and then uh, Huber, as, as he is an, an intrepid reporter, went out and sought uh, opinions from two other uh, sports books, and they're basically saying the same thing. So I don't know where it originated from from the sports books, but that's where it originated from from the story on on this uh, on this on this news. Well, I think I know where it originated from. See, a very very smart guy, probably an auditor type kind of guy, like Adrian Kissel. He comes into work and he says, "You know what, guys? It's heating up. People are coming to Las Vegas. Football camp's opening. We don't know a damn thing of what this Rogers guy is going to do. And you know what? We don't want to take this action on either side of it. We just don't want it." And Adrian, uh, Adrian, your uh, your your connection, your your uh, alter ego there in Vegas came in and shut all that down. Because I know guys like <laughs> you, when you see talent and when you see football players, I just I just know you're seeing numbers, things I can't see. So that's what you, you say you're you're going to stick with Aaron Jones as a second round draft pick. Adams obviously has fallen for you, or at least he hasn't been in consideration. Will you then move out of Green Bay and talk to me about some other elite receivers like Diggs, Hill, uh, Hopkins? How far do you go down before you hit the button and put Adams on your team? Who? Well, I mean, up until this point, it's been, you know, probably if he were there, you know, at the end of the second round, kind of after the Ridley Hopkins, A.J. Brown, that's kind of where I was taking him. You know, at this point, I mean, I'm still, I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess I'd have to be in that exact situation to know. But, I mean, I'm still probably taking Justin Jefferson, Keenan Allen. Probably that's kind of the range. I would take him. I just feel like I'm not going to get him because someone else is going to end up, you know, taking taking the chance on one of him. And um, just to hit on like the other you know receivers like like Stephon Diggs. I mean, he he's the guy for me. Um, I mean, even mm-hmm. you know he's been my wide receiver one. Um, you know, I mean, it's just obviously just truly broke out last year. I mean. You know, and and he did that, you know, with the COVID off season, you know, not having any time really to to get acclimated and, and to work with Josh Allen, and they, and they still just came out and and just and just lit it up. And you know, I mean, I just love what they do there. Um, you know, they'll throw it every play. Like they've shown that they, they don't care about running. And um, you know, and Diggs, like you know, his, his receptions. Um, Receiving yards, I mean, they could be hard to duplicate this year, but you know, he only had, like, eight touchdowns, I think, last year, which mm-hmm. you could definitely see a spike there, I think. And and kind of the same way, with, uh, I'm not going to argue against anyone who takes Tyreek Hill one, but, um, you know, I mean, he had, I think, 17 total touchdowns last year. So, I mean, I think that's, that's coming down this year. So, I mean, for me, it's digs all the way, like, and then Tyreek Hill is definitely a close second. 
Um, Farrell and I have talked about James Robinson and Travis Etienne a lot on this uh, program, Adrian. Given um, his current draft value, uh, and, and I'll bring this up right now. I mean, you, you know where these players are being taken because you're actually in drafts. But just for the listeners' sake, I can tell you right now that James Robinson is going as running back 29 at the 704. Uh, Travis Etienne is going as running back 21 at the 501. From a draft capital standpoint, um, which one would you rather have this year, Adrian, or is uh, stacking them, like Farrell said, uh, a viable option for success? Well, um, I've definitely been I'm on board with, with ETN. Um, you know, if you can, you know, I've got him you know, even like in the back end of the fifth round, even just I think in my last draft. And I think the only reason his ADP is where it is is just you know, there just hasn't been any like positive buzz, you know, about him. Um, his role, you know, has been somewhat of a mystery. But you know, I just, you know, I kind of just like was looking back at like you know past years and kind of seeing like well what what kind of production has like you know those low end running back twos like you know had and you know and you know to pay off his tag you know Etienne would need like a thousand yards from scrimmage, fifty catches, and like five touchdowns. And to me that's just I mean that seems like his floor. I mean I just think um he's got a lot going for him, you know Trevor Lawrence, I mean, I think we'll just elevate the whole offense. You know, he's already got that rapport with him. Um, I think he'll be in there on, you know, third down, two-minute offense. You know, they're not good. Their defense isn't good. <laughs> they're going to, you know, I think, I think he'll be in there when they're trailing. You know, they got two games against the Titans and the Texans. I mean, their defenses stink. And, I mean, and I think, like, most importantly, if, like, I mean, if he just comes out balling, and it's just, like, just hits the ground running early. Like, I just don't think they're going to, like, you know, limit him to, you know, their first-round draft pick. Like, after James Robinson, like, I mean, he's – I mean, obviously played awesome last year. But um, it's just a guy that, you know, again, like, you know, I'm fine with, with where he's going. It's just that when that seventh round, you know, gets here, just the way my builds go, it's like, Normally, that's the spot where I'm, you know, looking at a, re- a receiver or or somebody just taking – I mean, somebody just usually always takes them, you know, a little bit before I'm comfortable taking them. So, I'm, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, fault anyone for taking them, but I'm definitely on board with ATN this year. It, uh, I like the way you describe it as a bit of a mystery. I would – Balky asked you specifically about the idea I've been selling is to stack these two players. Can you buy into that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I definitely can, but I mean, I guess like in a best ball format, like I don't really, I don't play any best ball, but like I would be more comfortable doing it in a best ball just because I know I'm getting, you know, productive. Everybody's every more week. comfortable. <laughs> In a best ball, but but nobody really. Plays. You and I say the same thing. We're more comfortable. We don't really play them. I tell you what, we are playing right now. We are playing redraft in the Football Guys Players Championship. I'm uh, I'm on the slope, but Balky knows that whenever we have the show, I'm on the clock, and so I'm on the clock right. again, and and so I'm in the middle of the fifth round, and I've got Galladay and your man Etienne. Which one should I take? I got two receivers yeah, and two running backs on the roster. We're in good shape so far. Etienne yeah, or Galladay? I'm definitely taking Etienne. All right. Not even really a question for I'm, me. <laughs> I'm pushing the button right now, and I'm moving on to another puzzle and another mystery. I don't care what who the hot running back is in Jacksonville, what the quarterback's doing in Green Bay, what, who's getting injured wherever they might be getting injured in the league. There's one thing that you can always bet on, whether you call it a puzzle or you call it a mystery. I need a smart guy to figure it out for me. You're that smart guy. What in the world, with O.J. Howard's return from his injury, Rob Gronkowski's rebirth as a tight end, and Cameron Brait, who won't go work in the financial industry like most Harvard grads are supposed to, 
Those three players at Tampa, what do you do with that Tampa tight end position? Well, in a perfect world, I I don't draft any of them. <laughs> but um, if um if I've got to do it, like I mean, I have gotten Gronkowski, and I one of, some of the few of the early drafts I did, um, you know, and what I was getting him, I think maybe around like tight end, he was like the twenty fifth tight end off the board or so. So if I'm getting Gronkowski, you know, that late, you know, I'm definitely, you know, fine with that. And um. Whereas, you know, I don't like stacking my running backs because I like to touch as many different backfields as I can. I mean, it is very easy, you know, to, to make, you know, Gronk your tight end two and then just get O.J. Howard as your tight end three, you know, towards the end of the draft and you kind of just kind of just got that tight end two kind of just locked up. So I think I might have done that on one of my teams. But, so, so I mean, I don't mind that approach. Talking with uh, Adrian Kessel here tonight, a winner of nine Football Guys Players Championship, six in the last year alone, actually, uh, as well. Coming off a very hot year is Mr. Kessel. Let's talk about the Carolina Panthers here. Sam Darnold and Terrace Marshall have joined the Panthers this season. Teddy Bridgewater and Curtis Samuel have left. Happy trails to them. So between DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall, which Panther receiver have you found drafting more this year, Adrian? Well, I found myself drafting the most of Robbie Anderson. Um, I mean, I like them all, though, like, for where you can get them. Um, You know, it's just, you know, when I'm sitting, like, at the back of the four or something like that and, you know, mid-fourth, back-fourth, and you got, you know, Chris Godwin, Evans, Cup, Jamar Chase kind of all sitting there. Like, you know, I kind of put more in that tier. And, you know, I'm not really, like, you know, taking a stand, like, on any of them. So, you know, maybe one day I'll draft one of them. The next day, you know, I'll draft the other. But, like, you know, in the seventh round, I mean, that's kind of – I might have even gotten Robbie Anderson, like, in the eighth round one time. But, you know, I, I mean, at that point in the draft, it's like there's not really many other receivers that I'm considering taking at that point. It's just it's kind of like – he, he just seems like he just always falls to me, and I'm just – I mean, I'm not in love with him, but, like, I just think he's a good – you know, I think he's around, like, wide receiver, like, maybe 35, 36, somewhere in that round and a range. And I definitely think he can, um, you know, can beat that. I think he should return some value this year. And, and Terrace Marshall, I mean, yeah, I mean, great talent for sure. And I, I don't have any of them. I mean – I definitely love the talent and think he can – I actually do have him in, like, a dynasty league I did. But, but yeah, I mean, he, he could, you know, he could really break out. I mean, there's not much competition for him to, to see serious targets. I guess they picked up David Moore, but that should be no real threat if he, you know, comes out, you know, healthy and playing well early. So, yeah, I mean, Terrence Marshall is, you know, a great sleeper that – I mean, I just – just haven't landed him, but not that I don't like him. It's just just, just haven't got him. <laughs> yeah, I wanted I get to it. ask a, another question. I think, though, that with the Green Bay and with the Aaron Jones, I think we probably exhausted the aspect of that. And so we, we were talking earlier about what's happening out in L.A., and, and uh, I was making a case uh, uh, for running back Henderson to be a player, I, I feel much like about him like you do about Etienne. But if, if if I'm wrong about Henderson, and they they struggle at the running back position this year, uh, there's some players that in that offense that are going to benefit the receivers, and and I think especially at tight end. So, Balky, uh, I'll let you ask your tight end question because I think it's more intriguing than mine, and that's that's the answer I'd like to get. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, so we, we have Gerald Everett um, now now going to Seattle, and I feel like um, Tyler Higby should be getting a lot of targets, one, because there's not as much competition there, and two, he's got Matthew Stafford throwing him to him right now, um, a guy who targeted his tight end quite a bit in Detroit over the last couple of years. So should FFPC drafters be targeting Tyler Higby after the first, you know, say nine or ten tight ends are off the board? 
I mean, I think so. Um, I mean, the tight end position, you know, in, in this format with the, the 1.5 PPR, you know, it definitely, you know, changes the way people perceive tight ends. And, um, you know, if I'm picking three, you know, third overall, I mean, I'll take Travis Kelsey there, like, and be, be fine with that. And, you know, I've always been a guy that, you know, just playing like regular old leagues with, with buddies, you know, for, for years you know, from years ago, it's like, I'd be the guy to get Antonio Gates, you know, take Gronk in the second round and, you know, and then Travis Kelsey in the second round. And, and I mean, so I'm all aboard with taking that, the big tight end, you know, Kelsey early, but, but after that, it's just, they just, they all go a little too early for me. It's like, I love Waller, but you know, he's going, I mean, I'll see him go in the end of the first beginning of the second. I'm just not taking him there. And, you know, Kyle Pitts is always going too early for me. Um, although I did actually get him, I think at three eight the other day, which I was fine with taking him there. And you know, and just going down the line, they just all those tight ends, they just, I mean, they just go a little too early for me. And and Tyler Higby has kind of a, just been the guy I've I've been targeting, like you know, in that seventh seventh round. And you know, to all the points you just said. Um, you know, with, with Stafford in there, Everett gone, and I guess it was what two years ago he had that just absurd, you know, like five game stretch to end the season. So I mean, he's shown that he can that he can put it up. So yeah, I mean, he's a guy that if you know if I'm not able to get Kelsey early, like he is pretty much you know my target in that that seventh round area and. You know, and and he is kind of like after him. It's kind of, I feel like that's where somebody before him. It's like I'm going to pretty much just have to punt this position. Like, like want <laughs> to punt big time. <laughs> Adrian, we've got a a really great fan of the show, a real contributor to fantasy football, both here uh, in in Kentucky and in the FFPC and. and I look forward to to when uh, uh, he can get all his girls in college where he can travel again. His name is Robbie Fetcher. And no matter, you know when you kind of hit that spot in the draft and you're saying, geez, I, I can't really find anybody I'd like to draft in this spot. If, you know, if, if in redraft, if I could trade this draft position, I'd trade down and give me some more picks, you know. And, 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 it, uh, and, and Fetch, my buddy, will always say, what about Jarvis Landry? And I said to him, I said, he caught 72 balls last year. What's he going to do for me? How's he going to win anything for me? Um, and, and Fetch can't even believe that he caught 72 balls in a year when Odell Beckham missed a big chunk of the season. So I'm asking you, a player that I can't get excited about, no matter how much Fetch yells about him, uh, what are you doing with Landry in drafts this year, do you ever see him escaping those 65 to 75 reception numbers again? And, you know, or, or am I just missing the boat? Because I missed a few in my day, let me tell you. <laughs> well, I mean, drafting Jarvis Landry, you know, it, it's never sexy. You know, he's not going to um, – he's not going to be a wide – he's not going to be a wide receiver one for you. Um but I, I do, you know, I do think he's a, a value, though. Um, and I was kind of even just, like, looking back at, like, some of my drafts. And a lot of the times, um, and, you know, and I've got him on a few teams. And it seems like, you know, when I draft him, I've normally – it's worked out to where I've taken maybe running back, running back in the first round and, and got – I mean, the first and second round and, and maybe got, like, a third running back, you know, in the fifth round or, or something like that. So, and so it seems like when I've got like that strong core of running backs, um, you know, which is not my style typically. Like typically, I like to just kind of have one stud running back, just go for receivers like crazy, and then just take a bunch of flyers on on running backs. But I mean, that's just you know, it's kind of like my, a standard strategy. But you know. But in the situations where I really build up, you know, running backs early, like, 
and I'm not really reaching for a running back in that ninth, tenth round. Like, I mean, I just think, you know, Landry, he, he's a solid value then. Um, you know, I'm drafting him to be a bench player, and, you know, I'm not drafting him, you know, you know, trying to win the, you know, the, the grand prize. You know, I'm not expecting, mm-hmm. you know, him to be in my starting lineup, but, you know, you got to get there. So, you know, I just think he's a solid player to get at that point. And, you know, when you're in week six and you're dealing with bye weeks and you're dealing with injuries and, you know, you can do a lot worse than putting Jarvis Landry in your lineup. I mean, especially so, when you So what I hear you saying is you're going to draft this player, he's going to be on your bench, you're not going to play him unless there's an emergency, <laughs> and then you're going to break the glass and put him in the lineup. Because I had him one time. I had him one time last year, and I would look at my roster and go, I'm not playing you, Jarvis Landry. And, you know, that's where he stayed for the rest of the year. You know, he never played. Well, But anyway, that's just me. But thanks for helping me with that because <laughs> I, I see that you don't share much excitement uh, for him either, but you have uh, fallen down that Jarvis Landry path. Yeah, I think he can play a role. Because you know, he is going to play He is going to play for you. Like, that you're, he's going to get in there and – and he can be a solid, you know, starter any given week. And I just think with the guys that go around him, it's like there's going to be a lot of busts, you know, in that area. And and he's not going to be a bust. Like he's, but he's not going to like be a home run either. But I mean, you just you just know what you're getting. And and more so. And I like the offense. I mean, I think it's you know ascending, and, and he's a proven player. So yeah, I'm not going to hate on Jarvis Landry. <laughs> And there is some comfort, I think, in knowing that Jarvis Landry is never going to be a top five wide receiver or even a top ten receiver anymore at the stage of his career. But there is some comfort in drafting a player of his ilk, of his production, when you can get him as wide receiver 47 at the 9-10 turn and, and kind of know what you're going to get from him on a bye week replacement or, you know, if a player goes down and you have to put him in there. I mean, there's some comfort in that and knowing that, that this guy's like a number four, number five receiver for you. So I not, and we've seen this from, from six figure winners before. Not every pick has to be a home run. Not every pick has to massively outperform his draft spot. You know, sometimes if, if you get a couple, you hit on a couple of those guys and then you're just solid throughout. Maybe, I mean, everybody has misses and, you have a couple of misses, but just be solid and hit on a couple. Sometimes that's good enough, and we've seen that done before. Adrian, I do want to ask um, uh, a question from an emailer that came in uh, a few hours before the show today. It's from Walt in Chicago. Uh, he writes, hi, Adrian. Any concern about a downtick from Dalvin Cook after the Vikings fired their longtime offensive line coach and have a 34-year-old first-year offensive coordinator? That is Walt in Chicago, maybe Walt, a Bears fan, wishful thinking. Maybe he's hoping the Vikings aren't so good this year and his Bears can uh, can turn it on. I don't know. But your thoughts on Dalvin Cook? I mean, is this still a guy still, uh, you know, top two, top three quarter uh, running back for you? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Like, I mean, I'm taking him to, like, all day long, like, really, with zero hesitation. So, yeah, I mean, he's just, I mean, he's a beast. What can you say? And, you know, he gets it done in all aspects of the game. Um, yeah, I'm taking Dalvin Cook second with no hesitation. Farrell, I will let you have the last crack at Adrian here for, for the final question. Adrian, the final question is the one I live the whole week to ask, and I will be avoiding <laughs> drafting Jarvis Landry this year. And I imagine there's someone that you're going to avoid drafting too. And then I want to know that sleeper. You kind of teased Terrence Marshall. You teased a couple other. There's some uh, interesting moves going on in the NFL this week, and I would like to know if you have a sleeper that you're going to uh, to share with us that can help us get to the promised land. Well, I – as far as player to avoid, um, you know, it, it's J.K. Dobbins. I just haven't been getting him at all this year. Um, and I love the talent. I mean, I think he's awesome. But, um, you know, just just the situation, like, um, he's just not going to catch a lot of passes in that offense. Um, Gus Edwards, you know, definitely has a role. I mean, I think the contract they gave him you know, speaks for itself. And, you know, he's just a guy that I think is just going to be hard 
you know, it's hard for me to take him, you know, where, where he's going. And he's just a guy I've kind of been avoiding. And, you know, he's just going way earlier than I would like. So I'm just not going to have and, – and the funny thing is, is, like, he was my guy last year. Like, I – you know, I drafted. He was one of my higher end players last year. Um, this is, and you know, I guess he kind of eventually got going. You know, at the end, and you know, I don't think I have any bias against him. I, I think I've, you know, grown past that. But he's just, he's just not a guy I'm getting this year. And I guess for sleepers, I mean, oh, do, I don't do you have, have a, I'm like sorry, yeah, any, sleeper, Adrian. Yeah, I mean, I don't have, like, any one sleeper, like, you know, I, I'm targeting. Um, well, make I somebody guess, you know, up real quick because I told you I live <laughs> for this question, you know, so I got to have Right. I, I mean, I yeah. will. Like, in the back of the draft, a guy I've been, you know, a lot of times my running backs are thin, so I've kind of been, um, you know, just, just like, throwing some darts. Um, you know, kind of late, just been Jarek McKinnon. Um you know, if he could, if he could just grab that third down roll, which, you know, it's it's probably not likely, but you know, at that point where you're drafting him, you know, there's a good chance after week one you're you're dropping him for somebody else, or or you're dropping him pretty early. But you know, I mean, he's definitely got talent. I mean, he's shown that he can produce, and you know, just being on Kansas City, and you know, say something, you know, happens to Ceh, and He's definitely got that third down role. I mean, you know, I think he can definitely um, just be in that offense. You know, there's some potential there. And kind of back to my point from earlier, like, you know, when you just, you know, look at the the past running, like like last year, it's like like Naheem Hines and J.D. McKissick. I mean, they were top 20 running backs. And, I mean, they're just doing it solely through the passing game. So, if you can just get that that pass catching back in, in a good offense, um, you know it's not going to be, you know, you know number one running back production, but it can definitely, you know, contribute to your team. A guy who really helped contribute to us becoming better drafters this evening was Adrian Kessel, a nine-time Football Guys Players Championship League winner. Adrian, you you got six of those under your belt in the last year alone. I know you're drafting. You've expanded your territory this year, as Farrell likes to say, and I know you have uh, bigger things in store for you this season. I want to thank you for hanging out with us and chatting a little shop here with uh, Fantasy Football. Good luck in all your leagues, man, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, great. Um, thanks for having me, guys. Really, really appreciate you having me on. Take care. Thanks, Adrian, Adrian Kessel. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Adrian Kessel, ladies and gentlemen, always good to talk to uh, a DFS guy, Farrell, who is, um, you know, going through the throes of drafting season. And I think, you know, when we look at Adrian's um, path to high-stakes fantasy football, it was a lot of us, I think the majority of us, um, maybe not the majority, I just I assume the majority of us, started off with season-long stuff. And then we, we kind of picked up DFS at a, at a certain point. Well, Adrian didn't start playing until 2013, and he started with FanDuel and, and DFS. And, and then he came to season long. So I always think that's an interesting perspective when you can get a guy who just cares about lineups each and every week to now all of a sudden trying to build these high-stakes lineups where you have the same player all season long instead of just one week. I think that's an interesting perspective that we don't often get too much on this show. I do too. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a new twist on that uh, on that path with fantasy football, and you you can tell uh, he really enjoys it. You can tell that he is uh, that he spends hours with this, but also as a numbers guy, it's probably very clear to him uh, what he wants to do. And he's not going to get he's not going to get too far off of what those those numbers tell him. You know, if we, if if it doesn't make sense. If he can't clearly tell by the numbers, like what's going on down in Tampa Bay with the tight end, he's not going to spend any time figuring out. He'll just move on to where the numbers make sense to him. And I think these guys yeah. have a real propensity to be successful. 
and he's an auditor too, an accountant. So he, he's dialed yeah. in. He's a, he's a number cruncher, as it were. Hey, Farrell, one of the other big stories that we did not get to at the top of the show that, that really is affecting and will continue to affect drafts is this Michael Thomas thing. Um, Ian Rappaport mm-hmm. had a uh, blurb today that Thomas is going to miss or could miss weeks, not just a week of the regular season, but weeks. So Thomas had ankle ligament repair surgery uh, last month. That procedure, according to Rappaport, has a four-month recovery timeline. So that would mean that he would miss, you would think, if he had it in June, that would put him into October before he can even you know, start doing football activities, getting onto the field, getting into football shape. He only played in seven games last year after he had that ankle injury in week one. Um, now, the guys over at NBC Sports Edge, and, and I don't necessarily think I disagree with this, uh, think that Alvin Kamara could be the beneficiary of a lot of these Thomas targets. In fact, when in eight games last year, when Michael Thomas was out, Kamara averaged eight and a half targets and scored 31 PPR points last year. Traquan Smith obviously becomes the, the sort of the number one receiver there by name only. I don't know if you'd ever think of him as a number one receiver. Um, I, he's, there's no way he's going to get all the targets that Michael Thomas was getting. But, I mean, we'll see what happens with, with Thomas, Smith, and Kamara. What was your reaction when you heard this story out of, out of Thomas today? I guess the first question I'll ask you is, where would you draft Michael Thomas in, in a football guy's draft now? Oh, goodness. I'll stay away from that. Uh, I've got to have 11 weeks to get in contention in football guys, and he's going to miss half of, half of my regular fantasy season. So I'm going to stay away from that. Because where he goes in the drafts, where his true value is, is uh, is at a significant uh, third-round pick. So depending on how far he falls, see, I love the receivers in the ninth round, and they're going to be available in week one, with the exception of Jarvis Landry, of course. They're going to be available in week one, and uh, that availability is what this is all about to me. So I'm going to let someone else uh, take that risk. Now, if you already have him, and you paid that draft capital for him, it does not mean your season is over. And hooray for you if you spent a 16th or 17th round pick on uh, on Smith um, because you're going to get tremendous value uh, from Smith. Balky, you're right. Um, he's not going to get the targets that Thomas would have got. But we talked about last week on the show or sometime during some of these shows, uh, during the pros versus shows, that this coach can make sure the quarterback targets whoever this coach wants to have the ball from any given week. So that, and, and that's especially what I yeah, is going that I foresee happening. And in Kamara's case, he is the key man in this offense. I would not be surprised if if we didn't see him um, with the Mojo's numbers uh, supplanting Dalvin Cook at the number two position. I don't see why this is not the most attractive player just from talent and touches. Uh, We could also elevate the tight end uh, here. Uh, People were already doing it, and I don't know how I feel about Troutman, uh, which has more to do with his college resume than his uh, contribution as an NFL player. But there's a lot of things that we can do here um, with this New Orleans offense, and so it changes everybody's role. It changes everyone's draft position. In my mind, it moves everyone up because of the level of the coaching and the ability to make things happen. This, this, this team was beat up all last year at all kinds of positions, and this team still scored and still won. So I would look to the players on this team and get them on my roster. Final thing I want to bring up tonight with you, Farrell, before we sign off um, is this DeAndre Hopkins deleted tweet saying that um, the COVID-19 policy for the NFL is making him question his future. He deleted it right away um, because he basically the tweet said he doesn't want to be in a position to hurt his team because he doesn't want to partake in the vaccine. Um, He posted a tweet later that said something like, uh, by the way, I have nine good years left in me. Uh, have a good day or something like that. You know, so I guess it's kind of much ado about nothing. But when a guy threatens retirement about that, is is that just an emotional, you know, in the moment type tweet, and we could ignore it when we're drafting? Yes, and um, so he deleted it. So he wish he hadn't said it. 
and uh, social media and the Twitterverse is, is doesn't do professional athletes a whole lot of good. Uh, and, and it's, uh, <laughs> doesn't it, do anybody it's a whole lot of good. No, and it's it's not uh, it, it's it's very disappointing um, to, to see the reactions uh, with the NFL and with the COVID policies. In my mind, from so many players, uh, because the players have a voice in this. It's not like the team is handing them ultimatums. Players have a voice in this. Uh, through the NFL Players Association, and I think that uh, uh, no one is telling them they can't play uh, without uh, without taking the uh, vaccine. But they but they're they're told they're on a different they're on a different protocol. League league spent a lot of effort, a lot of money, a lot of time in making this work last year. Uh, let's you know. Let's make sure it works this year as well. And uh, you know, I I think uh, I think Hopkins said too much about this, and I think I probably have too. But uh, we're going to have football. It's going to be safe for everyone that uh, uh, participates, and um, you know, the league and and, uh, and the, uh, the medical staff and, and the protocols are going to to make sure with the players' union assistance that. All of that comes together, so I think we can count on we can count on football and and you know when a player like Hopkins um, it, it may not be available, boy, I tell you what, he if he'd be sitting there testing positive for the virus, he probably wishes he would have had the vaccine. I wish that everybody listening to this podcast would get down to Louisville. Cincinnati or over to KFFSC.com to compete against the likes of me, many of the other um, uh, players in the chat room tonight, Dave Gerzak, John Terry, Kevin Williamson, Kern Reeve. Um, go over to KFFSC.com. Plenty of main event stuff available on there. And, of course, if you want to join the Bourbon Turn Draft, if you're going to be live in Louisville Sunday morning, no better way to start off a week. Um, I think even God would let you skip church that Sunday to uh, in, imbibe in some bourbon and draft a fantasy football team. Give Farrell a call, 502-523-5057, if you want to get um, registered, or simply just go to kffsc.com and register there. Farrell, uh, certainly appreciate you hanging out with me again. We'll do this again Sunday night at uh, 8, 7 Central for another Pros versus Joes draft, man. It'll be a blast, Balky. I'll see you then. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, you follow him on Twitter at J Farrell Elliott, the KFFSC on Twitter at KFFSC, and of course, KFFSC.com. Want to wish a special happy birthday to a long time and a very successful high stakes player, Henry Muto, celebrating a birthday today. So happy birthday to Henry, a guy who has been on this show before and has won a lot of money over the years as well. So happy birthday, Henry. Thanks to Adrian Kessel, Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Bryce. And, of course, each and every one of you for uh, hanging out in the chat room tonight, streaming this, or downloading it. We appreciate you listening. Um, We will be back, not next Friday. Well, we'll be back next Friday, but we're going to do a few shows before then. The first of which, Sunday, 8, 7 Central, 2021 FFPC Pros versus Joes, jacked up on Mountain Dew, League number four. We got some great Joes uh, in this draft. David Strumeyer, John Kleinfelter, Dave Byer, Hudson Reeve, the defending co-champ, Danny Mueller, another former guest on this show, on this show uh, Richie Nishura and Robert and Robbie Russell all participating there. The pros, Bob Lung, Todd Burroughs, Davis Maddock, Pat Corain, Jeff Ratcliffe, and, of course, Mike Taglier all tangling with those FFPC Joes. going to be a lot of fun Sunday night, 8, 7 Central. want to remind you to register for the inaugural FFPC Best Ball Tournament right now. $125 could net you a hundred grand. Dynasty Startups going all this weekend. And the Football Guys Players Championship. We win a half million bucks there. In fact, I don't know if we pulled that midnight trap. Um, but if we haven't, make sure that we do because I'm commissioning that. So sign up for that uh, coming up in just uh, less than an hour here. 
join the KFFSC, join the FFBC, and thanks for listening, everybody. Your weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Certainly appreciate it. Um, we have, uh, just to let everybody know, we have seven spots available in that midnight draft. It starts in a shade under 50 minutes. Plenty of time to register for that. Plenty of te- time for, for teams to get in. This is the type of time of, of the year when a lot of teams will fill up the, the back end of that draft shortly. So don't feel like if you register now, the draft won't fill. I have a feeling it's going to fill. And I'd love to see you in there. I'd love to see you draft a team tonight at myffpc.com. Appreciate all the ears. Uh, Everybody have a great and safe weekend, and we'll talk to you Sunday night.